0: Right, left, right, left, marching Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching When I wanna give in, feel like quitting Something keeps living inside me keeps yelling Tell me push on, push harder past the limit It's no time for the giving and stick to it when I'm giving them It's my all and so they march for the sergeant Ready to give it all up for the cause and just charge it. When I tell them to let it loose with the weapons, you blasting it down the mannequin backing up with they never do Never give up, now without a fight. Just to save a life, they would die, give their life. March, 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 march,
1: What's going on Warriors? Tim Lawson here, host of the Fuel for Warriors podcast. I I still I still have a hard time not just calling something uh, a podcast after this title. I have to learn that it's 2015. We don't do that anymore. Things have their own name. They don't have to be uh, also categorized as a podcast. But whatever, you know. It's uh, I guess I don't know if I consider myself old school since I've only only been doing this for a few years. But you get it. You get it. This is Fuel for Warriors, a collaboration between Lost in Entertainment and Lock and Load Java, a program that we wanted to create. To, to reach out and bring our audience veterans athletes and other people that resonate with being a warrior and learn about the challenges that they overcome and what ultimately inspires them. A lot of cool stories, a lot of good in- insight on certain industries and personal lives. Really excited about this week's guest, William McNulty. He's a co-founder of Team Rubicon. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm a huge advocate for Team Rubicon. So is Carl. We've brought him up uh, in the interview that I did with Carl a couple weeks ago. So very excited to have William on the show. Before we get to our conversation with William, Carl Churchill, co-founder of Lock and Low Java, would like to say something.
2: Hey, Warriors, this is Carl Churchill, co-founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Low Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran Tim Lawson as he interviews risk takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I know you'll love our guest today. And when you're finished with the episode, head over to lockandloadjava.com and use the coupon code fuel to receive a 10% discount
1: on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. All right, Warriors. This week on Fuel for Warriors, I have co-founder of Team Rubicon, Mr. William McNulty. Will, thank you so much for joining me.
2: Thanks, Tim. Happy to be here.
1: So as I mentioned uh, in the pre-roll uh, I've I've talked to Jake Wood on Veteran Empire. Just finished with uh, Chad Reynolds for the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Project, and now I have you here on Fuel for Warriors. It's it's a pleasure talking with members of Team Rubicon because I've. Uh, i've been i've been known to be uh an evangelist for team rubicon i think the organization is fantastic and anytime uh, i i often get asked from people when i do my speakings and and other things wh- which which nonprofit, which veteran organization should i be supporting and team rubicon is my first answer every time that's
2: that's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a lot of great organizations out there we're really close with the mission continues and team red white and blue those are Two other organizations that uh, I promote all the time because of the impactful work that they do.
1: Team, uh, team Red, White, and Blue uh, is is probably part B to my to my answer. And then what is it? Courage Beyond uh, is is right behind that. So they're they're in Nashville. Um, do they do a sim? They do you know mental health work, and and I know a few people over there. They do great work. So. Uh, let's let's get a little familiar with your military background because that's definitely the part of you that resonates with the idea of being a warrior. Uh, tell us about that decision to join the military and what that did to your life.
2: Well, I, I joined the military after I graduated from uh, from college, and I joined the Marine Corps. My father was a Green Beret. My both my grandparents served uh, during World War II they both fought the Japanese in the South Pacific. One is a Marine. The other one is a, uh, is, is a, is a sailor. And so military service was something that was important to my family. uh, But it definitely wasn't something that was expected, but you know, my, my younger brother and I, we just felt the need to do it. I joined pre September 11th. He joined post September 11th. And it's, it's, it's a decision that one of the best decisions I ever made,
1: Wonderful. And how how long how long were you in? I was in for eight years in the reserves. So I joined.
2: Okay. Uh, I became an anti tank missileman, a tow gunner. Uh, I served as a tow gunner for a few years before lateral moving into intelligence. I became a pogue, Tim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, look, you—that's—that's uh, that's perfectly fine with me. I served five years in the Marine Corps. I spent one year as an aviation supply specialist, so I ordered airplane parts for a year, and then <laughs> I went off to be a Marine security guard, not uh, totally detached from the free, Fleet Marine Force. In any, anyways, so yeah, so I'm—I'm I'm all about being a poke. So, a question I have for you that I haven't—I haven't gotten a chance to ask any veteran this question yet. So, this is the first time I'm throwing it out there. I don't know if you're familiar with the book uh, League of Denial. It's uh, it was a book done on um, on the NFL and concussions and how the NFL is is masking is, is sort of not admitting to the problems and such. And it talked a lot about how all of these new developments could really impact the 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 sport because when mothers start to realize what concussions are actually doing to their kids are going to be less likely to put them into little league and high school and stuff like that and therefore it could over a long term affect the, the quality of the game i'm wondering in the in the military space there's all there's you know i hear a lot of people like oh, military um service was just a tradition in my family i've always wanted to serve do you think that in the past decade, with so much emphasis on PTSD and TBI, invisible wounds of war, that when families start to realize what the effects of combat and military service are really doing to their friend, their to their loved ones, do you think do you think that that's going to hurt enlistment moving forward?
2: That's a good question. Uh, however, I don't think it will. I think young men and women are always going to feel the call to serve their country. Um, I think that understanding pts is not going to discourage that um from happening um i I just i don't think it's going to discourage it
1: okay uh so let's let's just go and dive into team rubicon um we you know i've i've heard uh jake woods side of the story on that trip down to haiti and and starting team rubicon let's briefly get your side of the story first of all how did you how did you originally meet jake
2: uh jake and i were introduced by a mutual friend uh, Matt Burden, uh, who runs black five. And, uh, we actually never met in person until the day before we went into Haiti, uh, until we actually landed in Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic, but we were Facebook friends. Uh, we had spoken about some different business opportunities. Uh, uh, one of them was anti-piracy in the Gulf of Aden, uh, you know, never came to fruition, but, uh, you know, it's every Marine's pipe dream to fight pirates. So, uh, yeah, so, so we, we, uh, you know, we were just Facebook friends and, and, and I initially found out, you know, he's, he put up this Facebook post the day after the Haiti earthquake, the post said, Hey, I'm thinking about going down to, to au Prince to, to help out, to deliver some supplies. Is anyone interested in, in going? And I called him up and I said, Hey man, I'm in, let's do this.
1: What were you doing at the time? At
2: the time, I had returned from my second uh, tour as a civilian in Iraq. Um, and I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, I was pretty much jaded and disillusioned with the war by this point. This is 2000, late 2009.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: And I just didn't see progress, right? I was just uh, – it was progress was so hard to identify. And so, um, so I was really looking for something else, something else to devote my – my time and energy, and the Haiti earthquake happened, and I, I thought I thought I was going to go down there for a week and come back. I, I never imagined that we would have founded a, a disaster response organization down there in Port-au-Prince, and I'd still be doing this five years later.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, it's um. Yeah, you know, I remember just uh, what it had to been t- less than three years ago. So I mean, two years ago because it was in DC. You know, Team Rubicon was still. I mean, the explosion that you've had just in the past twelve to eighteen months has been remarkable. Because just a couple years ago, I remember people saying the 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 words Team Rubicon, but I never really knew what it was. I didn't really like. I um, I took note of it, but didn't really think much of it. And then all of a sudden, boom! Team Rubicon's everywhere. Everybody's got a shirt. Every Facebook profile has like has the symbol. I see Jake Wood and Willie McNulty on (laughs) all sorts of like military websites and all sort of stuff and you got what do you think has contributed to the success that you guys have had especially in the past year
2: well I first and foremost I think we have to give a lot of credit to Eric Greitens he is the founder of the Mish Continues along with, uh, along with Ken Harbaugh those two individuals and Ken is now our chief operating officer at at, at Team Rubicon uh, it's a coup that we got him and he's, a, he's an amazing addition to our <laughs> team Um, But, but, but both those, both those individuals, they founded the mission continues and they really kind of set the stage for this new model of veteran reintegration, which is continued service. So we owe a lot to Eric and Ken Harbaugh for doing something that was pioneering in the veteran service space that is challenging veterans to continue their service rather than giving them charity or just uh, you know come over let's have beers and pizza and, and talk about war, share war stories. I
1: love you saying that man oh, I'm so, just so angry at stuff like that these days. ah oh. so th- so so those two
2: are really really an inspiration for for Team Rubicon and we've kind of added on to that. And Team Rubicon is, uh, our focus is disaster response. So that's our form of continued service. And it just so happens over the last 30 years, disasters, natural disasters have increased in severity uh, and occurrence significantly. And so we're just using those, uh, those disasters as opportunities to continue to serve. And now Team Rubicon is being called by name to manage responses to tornadoes to hurricanes um to wildfires across the united states it's 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 inspiring to watch the team go out as they are today in mississippi in response to some tornadoes that took place uh right around christmas time
1: yeah absolutely uh i imagine volcano eruptions probably on this list but what disasters have you guys not been able to or not had an opportunity to respond to yet well, we
2: haven't done, we, we have not done a volcano yet. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done an asteroid. And uh, let's see, uh, what else haven't we done? Uh, we, we tried to get into China. Um, that didn't work, uh, which I can understand why. When you look at the founders, and one's a Marine Scout sniper and the other one's a... <laughs> you know, we put all that behind us and we're humanitarians now. It's it's uh, It's gauze and goodwill, not guns and grenades. But... Right. Uh, but yeah, we're, we 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 will deploy anywhere um, if if we're requested and we can we can provide a set of capabilities that would that would help save lives. So do
1: you wait for that request uh, now, or do you or do you immediately touch base as soon as there's uh, talks of it? Because I, I remember uh, what is it with the Philippines, like even before the disaster struck, that there was um, like re- recon done on on what you guys may be able to do afterwards.
2: Right, so we 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 everywhere we go, we're requested. Right, so we never show up uninvited. Um, so if it's a domestic mission, we're working with the local emergency operations command, and if it's an international mission, we're working with the UN cluster system. So uh, in the Philippines, uh, that example, uh, we were working directly with the Filipino government. We're invited by the Filipino government to respond on this latest typhoon um, that happened just you know uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, fortunately, it it petered out and hit. and made landfall in a non-populous area, um, but we did deploy a reconnaissance team over there, uh, a four-man team uh, that liaised with uh, uh, local government officials, and we determined that we didn't need to send a response element.
1: Interesting. Okay. I and mean, is there? Is it, I don't know if that's the best way to ask this question. I mean, how do you, how do you determine? Here's here's a better. Have you ever not had enough volunteers? Like, have you ever had it? Has there ever been uh, a disaster and you just team Rubicon couldn't respond with the with the right amount of people?
2: No, that's the amazing thing is is let's take Moore, Oklahoma, as an example. The F five tornado that struck Moore, Oklahoma, in twenty twelve. Um, we had somewhere around 1,300, 1,400 Team Rubicon members raise their hands and say, hey, I want to deploy. We could only deploy 450 of them. So there were a lot of unhappy individuals who you know, we couldn't deploy just because we didn't have the capacity to do that.
1: So here is, this is an odd question, and it, it's uh, if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. Do you fear that there is going to be a case sometime in team rubicon where someone who is desperate to serve doesn't get the opportunity to deploy and and that that somehow in you know this it, in my veteran suicide efforts renewed purpose has been an overarching theme on being able to save people save people's lives and you know have you ever have you ever thought or wondered or has there ever even been a case where um, someone who's, who tries to find this renewed purpose and volunteers for Team Rubicon and is waiting and just does not get an opportunity to deploy? I mean, ha- has that ever has it come up or have you ever thought about something like that?
2: That hasn't. That I mean, it's an interesting question. I That hasn't uh, come up, whereas, you know, I, th- I think where you're going with this, do uh, they kind of tip the scales of depression in... in, in Uh, it has become a problem for them because they're not finding the purpose out of a deployment that 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 they would like to get yeah you know with individuals like that we 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 do what we do best we partner for the rest so we we are a, a veteran service organization that does disaster response and it's through disaster response that we give veterans back this renewed sense of purpose this this new identity this new community and for for people for veterans who uh, have uh, either uh, depression or suicidal issues, um, we we refer those organizations to refer those people to organizations like Give an Hour, um, and which is a partner organization of ours, and which we have an employee, Dane Frost, um, whose whose job is is to help with those referral services and identify. Um, those issues that, that might be affecting, we actually deploy, um, given our people, Dane specifically, um, alongside of us in the field in case um, some of those reintegration issues, you know, depression, survivor's guilt, uh, suicidal thoughts um, come to the surface uh, with any particular member of Team Rubicon. It's not something we, we, we partic- we've identified in the, sen- in, in the way that you painted it. But we do have services available um, uh, to identify uh, those individuals and then refer them out to other organizations like Given Hour in case uh, they need those services.
1: That is wonderful. I was unaware of that aspect of Team Rubicon. And I think that that, that probably answers my question of why you haven't heard of cases like that, as that you're, you're already taking a proactive approach to, uh, to what could possibly come of that.
2: I think the most important thing um, with any of these new these post 9-11 veteran service organizations, whether it's IAVA or, or Mish Continuous or red, white, and blue. The most important thing is that they are rebuilding a peer-to-peer support system for, for the veteran. Because as you know, these military units are piecemeal together from across the country. They come from small towns. They get put in the same military unit. They sweat together. They bleed together. They form these very tight knit bonds, but when they get out, they go back to these small towns across the country and they lose that physical connection to that, that fellow service member. Uh, They lose the peer to peer support system. So it's through team Rubicon, it's through IAVA, it's through team red, white, and blue. We're bringing these veterans back and forming new communities. And that peer to peer support system is what is going to help them get through. That's the most important thing. Therapy is good, but it's the fellow veteran who has shared the experience, who understands what you've been through. That's gonna help you get through those difficult reintegration
1: issues. So, well, we are the mighty.com released a Mighty 25, 25 veterans that they that they believe are poised to make a difference in 2015. Uh, it's not a numbered list, but you sir, do top the list. How do you how does how does recognition like that help inspire your your mission objective?
2: Well, it was very kind of them, but it was, I, I, it's very undeserving. I, uh, uh, recognition is important <clears throat> because it brings light to the the work that you're doing. But I don't know; it's a little embarrassing. It's just uh, one. I'm 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 in the process, as you know, of building a new organization called Team Rubicon Global. Yeah, and, and TRG. TRG is going to export the Team Rubicon model and uh, bring it overseas. And so we're going to build new Team Rubicons next year in 2015, as in tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, We're going to build new Team Rubicons in the United Kingdom, Norway, and Australia. It's amazing. And then we have a five-year vision of having 12 Team Rubicons around the world. In 2016, uh, we have uh, Canada, Germany and a third uh, country, uh, TBD. Uh, We're going to build no more than two to three per year. Uh, And this comes about because over the last five years, uh, just yesterday, I received an email from a subject line, Team Rubicon India, from a, a military veteran in India saying, hey, I think this model could work here. Have you guys ever thought about that? we've received dozens of emails like this over the last five years. And we've even had veterans from Norway, UK, Australia, Philippines, Canada, a couple other countries participate in Team Rubicon responses. So we listened to that. And uh, earlier this year, we partnered with uh, the global innovation and design firm IDEO to come up with a plan, an organizational model, to take Team Rubicon and uh, export it So we can build take this idea and build new team Rubicons uh, in the coalition countries, the the countries that fought alongside us in Iraq and Afghanistan. So these new team Rubicons will be entirely run by their veterans. So Team Rubicon UK is going to be composed of British military veterans, and they're going to deploy uh, at home and abroad in response to national disasters, giving British veterans that same opportunity to continue their service that American veterans have through TRUSA
1: see what's 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 um, what's funny about what you just uh, you just spat off all these amazing things that Team Rubicon is getting ready to do and all this re- and uh, all these reasons for us to to love the organization where it's going but yet you you mentioned that the recognition was undeserving. What challenges are you facing with setting up the Team Rubicon Global? And I know there's some, you know, I'm sure there's like OPSEC or just some things you don't really want to talk about, but just in general, because I wouldn't know what it means to set up a global organization. You know, what are, what are things you find yourself week to week sort of having to deal with? And either with, either with that or, or personally, professionally, whatever it may be. And how are you teaching yourself to better face those challenges when they arise?
2: Sure, so uh, there are a couple challenges that I can think of off the top of my head. you know One is, of course, there's this is a new organization, so uh, it 's separate from Team Rubicon USA. Uh, one of the things that um, the veterans of these countries told us during the study was we love the idea of Team Rubicon. Um, we want to be part of a global coalition, but we don't want to be subject to an American organization. And I can understand that, right? These, all these, uh, they all fought wearing a different uniform, fighting for a different flag while we were fighting for the same cause. They still wanted to maintain those parts of the their, their own culture. And so they don't want to just be subject to an American organization. So that's why we came up with team Rubicon global. So initially uh, there's going to be some confusion that we're trying to, to fix, especially with our funders about the difference between the two organizations and, and the, the need for, for why we had to go with two organizations rather than doing this all under TRUSA. And then, uh, you know, moving into these new markets, identifying operational partners, um, identifying donors in markets like Norway, where, Philanthropy is pretty much non-existent. That's a challenge for us, but it's not something that we can't overcome. And we're talking to some great people right now, and I'm proud to report that the Star Foundation uh, just came on as the lead uh, donor for Team Rubicon Global, and really in a major way, uh, giving us a half million dollars uh, renewable grant. And so we couldn't do this without without people, um, you know, like Star Foundation that that want to do something that's never been done before. That's a global. Military veteran service organization.
1: Let's say five years ago, uh, you guys get back from Haiti. The experience was good, but neither you uh, nor Jake are inspired to create Team Rubicon. What would? What do you think you'd be doing? What What uh, professional path you think you would have gone down?
2: It's really interesting. You know, I I, I have an intelligence community background, and I really thought that was going to be my career. And I'm I'm much happier now doing uh, what I'm doing. I don't know. It would be something service related because it has to be for me. That's that's uh, that's the way I find my own purpose is doing something service related. It would be something entrepreneurial and service related. That's the that's my best guess of what I would be doing if I weren't doing Team Rubicon.
1: When was the last time you deployed with Team Rubicon, like as uh, like actual boots on the ground?
2: Washington, Illinois tornado uh, in November of last year. So it's been over a year since I've deployed in i'm itching
1: what approach to marketing has proved to be really successful for team rubicon like how do you get how do you get people to learn about team rubicon either to get donation like to get so, like financial support and resource support or uh to to getting more uh qualified volunteers
2: so we have a tremendous marketing communication team kirk jackson mike lee bobby snuff and these individuals uh put together the the social media packages, the the videos that you see, um, the marketing materials, the, the mission itself, obviously there's a sex appeal to it because we're talking about first response after a natural disaster. Um, This is something that already, it already commands media attention. Um, You add um, that we're using veterans uh, and it's not a marketing ploy. That's not, that's not some trick. Uh, because veterans really are the, the 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 people who are best skilled for for this type of work. It just happens to be a perfect storm. Um, it's a, it's an easy story to tell um, in the in the media. We don't do any outreach, so the over now I think twenty two thousand members who have registered their information with, with Team Rubicon, this all comes either through them hearing about us through media pieces or through word of mouth, or, you know, friends who are part of Team Rubicon. Um, we don't do any outreach because, well, precisely because it, with a staff of 30, we really can't manage a 22,000 volunteer base. So we're constantly trying to catch up with the, the numbers of volunteers that are joining Team Rubicon.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. So before we get into, you know, what your what your ultimate inspiration is and, and such, wh- when did you guys know that Team Rubicon was something uh, like when, you know, like that aha moment that, OK, we've made it. OK, this is, the, you know, when you realize that Team Rubicon was what you're going to be doing for the better part of your life. We knew that
2: in port Prince,
0: Wow
2: Um that, that we were on to something um, we didn't know that we'd still be doing this five years later but we <laughs> were onto something. There was this moment that we were down, down Port-au-Prince. And and I remember turning to Jake and saying, Jake, we have a model here because it worked so well taking veterans and having them lead teams of, of medical professionals in the hardest hit areas of Port-au-Prince um, being, you know, it worked out really well. And we were, we ended up being one of the very first organizations on the ground there. And so we were getting a lot of work done and you know, we saw up anywhere between 300 to 500 patients a day in that initial week. uh, And then it started to taper off, but we were doing some, I thought some very pioneering work down there, but it wasn't until, it wasn't until Clay Hunt uh, who was, you know, an original member of Team Rubicon? He was on the first two missions. Maybe that's an inflection point of the organization, where you know, when when Clay took his own life, he's the most high-profile veteran suicide in the country. And yep. Clay was doing Clay was doing um, suicide prevention uh, commercials for the Ad Council, uh, and then he ended up taking his own life when he when he took his own life in march 2011 we really took a hard look at the organization and we shifted the focus from the disaster victim to the veteran we became this veteran service organization that just happened to be good at disaster response and i think it was then that jake and i we really doubled down on on our efforts at team rubicon and committed to to making this our life's work
1: yeah Wow, and uh, I mean it's probably the the right way to segue into sort of the final set of questions or the, the final ideas. You know, what what ultimately inspires you? You know, the uh, part of the warrior mentality is just to have this uh, constant inspiration and, and motivation behind us. What, uh you know, what makes it easier for you to wake up in the morning and face those challenges, either with Team Rubicon Global or with any personal challenges you're facing? What's ultimately inspiring you day to day, week to week? what
2: inspires me is tangible progress. And that's why I keep on doing what I, what I do at TR it's, it's when you deploy with TR and you roof, you tarp someone's roof after a tornado just ripped it off, or you're saving the life of a child in in Port-au-Prince progress is, is tangible. It's immediate. You can identify it. You can feel it. You can see it. Um, And I think that was something that was definitely difficult for me um, working on uh, Iraq for, you know, almost a decade in my life and, uh, where progress was really not very immediate. Uh, it was hard to identify, but with TR it's just, it's there. And you can see, you can see the people that you're helping. You can also see how the work helps your fellow veteran. That's what inspires me, um, to be part of this.
1: That's wonderful, William. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope uh, I, I still need to do some of my some of my module training, like on the TR site, but I hope to one day deploy with Team Rubicon once and sort of see what that experience is like. And uh, I've flirted with uh, with Jake a little bit on on a Team Rubicon podcast, which I think would be really cool. Uh, so yeah, thanks again, and we wish you all the best with Team Rubicon Global. Thanks,
2: Tim, and get your training done. And we're going to deploy your butt downrange.
1: I like that. After my interview with William, I sent him an email thanking him to be on the show, and he responded with his appreciation for having to field some tougher questions and uh, noted that sometimes these interviews can be quote-unquote softballs. And uh, you know, I, the reason why I, b- I bother bringing that up is because I think that's the difference between my podcast and so many others that you'll hear out there is I truly believe in asking tougher questions that people can feel comfortable With answering. I'm not trying to put anybody in a bad spot, I'm not trying to make anybody vulnerable. I want to ask tough questions that provide a lot of insight and challenge thinking and help us all develop a certain opinion on how we feel about something whether or not you agree with what my with what my guests say or maybe you have a different perspective it doesn't matter what's nice is that we all get opportunity to really exercise the way we think about something and i try to do that a lot of uh, a lot of my interviews we saw that in my talk with kyle carpenter again here with william mcnulty and i promise you you're going to hear it many times down the road as we continue uh, doing this show blogtalkradio.com slash Fuel for Warriors is where you can check out all the shows uh, put out by Fuel for Warriors. I am on Twitter, at Tim Lawson. They are at Lock and Load Java. Follow us on Twitter. Let us know how you felt about the show. I'm Tim Lawson. On behalf of Carl, Laurie, and the rest of us here at Lock and Load Java, I'll see you next week.
0: Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching. Left, right, left, right, left. Right, left, march. When I wanna give in, feel like waiting. Something keeps living inside me, keeps yelling. Tell me, push on, push harder, past the limit. It's no time for the giving and stick to it when I'm giving them. It's my all, and so they march for the sergeant, ready to give it all up for the cause and just charge it. When I tell them to let it loose with the weapons, you blasting it down the mannequin, backing off what they never do. Never give up. Not without a fight. Just to save a life, they would die, give their life. March, 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 march. March, august, march, august, Lord, we'll march, march, origins, march 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 march, 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 Marx, march.